today we are wrapping up our series that we have called Because We Believe. And this series is based on the Apostles' Creed. Uh, we, you know that we say the Apostles' Creed here every single week. And the background of the Apostles' Creed is very simply that at the, at the beginning of, of the church, there, were, there was a, a major shakeup, and they were really in a time where they could possibly lose some of the foundational beliefs to the church. And so some of the leaders of the church gathered together, and, and they said, we've got to create some creeds that will literally just make sure that we can pass the beliefs of the church, the simple beliefs of the church, on from one generation to the next generation. And that they came up with these creeds. And you say, well, what is a creed? A creed is simply a simple statement of beliefs. Okay, it is a uh, it is literally just kind of our our simple beliefs, if you will. And uh, if you've got a problem with any portion of the creed, I promise you there is verse and chapter for every part of this that the Bible actually makes clear every part of the creed that we say here uh, every week. And here's the great thing about the Apostles' Creed. The great thing about the Apostles' Creed is that every denomination has agreed, has agreed upon this. And so no matter what your background, no matter what your history is, even if you don't have uh, a history here, uh, we, that you can know that this is safe ground, okay? This is kind of the neutral zone of every single denomination. Uh, and so I wanted to make sure that as we as we dove into this series that we're wrapping up today, I wanted to make sure that that this wasn't just information, but it was transformation. And that's with any series that we have here at Saints Community Church. And so I've asked you, we've asked you to ask this question every week as we have walked through the creed together, and that is, how does what I believe affect the way that I live? How does what I believe affect the way that I live? We're going to look at the final part in the creed. Now, because of Hurricane Barely, uh, we are actually having to wrap two sermons into one in a short amount of time. So please pray for me over the next few minutes. We are looking at, I believe, in the Holy Christian Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Let's pray together. Jesus, you've got to help me. We don't have much time. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6 says this. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all who is over all and through all and in all. The Apostle Paul is, is giving a message to the church of Ephesus and he's letting them know and what I believe is one of the most eloquent passages in, in all of the Bible. I just look at that and go, how many different ways can we get the word one into, into one passage? See what I did, did there? And, uh, and so it's just an awesome way that Paul is letting us know the beauty and the majesty and, and the overarching incredible plan that God has called the local church. And everything that the local church is called to. And he approaches this entire passage by letting us know that there is a gentleness. There is a patience. There is a unity. There is a love that has to happen when it comes to this thing of the local church. 
Now, I, I want to take you back to a moment just speaking of the power of the local church and our calling to the local church. I'll, I'll never forget standing in the sanctuary right there in, in the kind of towards the back row there. I was standing there with, uh, with myself and our general contractor when we bought this building and, and Christy, my wife, and the architect. Uh, and the architect was there to help us figure out we were doing some renovations in uh, this building, this building didn't look exactly how it looks right now, and we felt like there were some things that we had to do to get it ready for us to move into, and so the architect and my wife and uh, myself and our general contractor are all standing there, and, and the architect pulls out the plans for the renovations, and he, he looks at me, and he starts talking over these plans, and where, 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 what's going to happen to what, and the different codes that happen to happen, and instantly, uh, as there are many things in my life that I'm this way about, instantly, uh, there was a blank stare that he could see in my, in my face, kind of a, I want to know what you're talking about so badly, but I literally have no idea. It was the, it was the same kind of stare that the uh, inspector, the fire inspector that came in this week to look at our building, it was the same stare that I gave her, that, uh, that same stare of, what's this for, and I just... I I said, listen, I know I'm the leader of this church, but I, I probably know less about this than a first-time guest uh, would know at our church. And I, I literally just uh, looked at the architect kind of with that blank stare, and then Christy began to dive in. And all of a sudden, it was interesting because the, the Christy, who kind of they thought was accidentally there, I knew she was there on purpose, and, and Christy, who was there, and the architect began to develop this incredible plan for all of the renovations and the structured things and everything that was going to happen. They literally drew up the construction. It was so powerful that the architect actually threw out some of his plans and went with some of my wife's thoughts and ideas. And at that point, I'm like a proud husband. I'm like standing back going, uh-huh, it's my birthday, I married her, you know, I got her, she's the one, you know, that kind of thing. I had a, that was a proud moment as a husband. They quickly learned that they should not involve me in any of those conversations, and uh, I was just there for good looks. And so uh, I, I want to compare that moment to another moment that we had here at the church. And that was the moment that we started the construction. Now, construction starts with one of everybody's favorite things. It starts with, okay, when you're doing renovations, construction starts with demolition. Y'all got to, all the men are like, yeah. Like some of you that weren't here at that time are like, man, I wish I'd have been present for that. Because, man, I'm telling you right now, when we said the word demolition, there were, there were dudes that came that day that I'd never met in my life. They were so pumped, so excited. I remember, like, people that we'd been begging to volunteer for years. They were like, I'm here to volunteer, Pastor. Why? Because everybody loves the good demolition day. And here's the difference between demolition and construction. Demolition, number one, is much easier. And the reason why I know it's much easier is because I was a part of Demolition Day, okay? And demolition is not only much easier, it actually doesn't take a lot of intelligence, okay? It's literally like how fast can we, and what tool, including my fist, you know, and my, my legs, can we use to just demo this place? Construction takes intelligence, it takes a, a smart person with a high IQ and an awareness. And I want to just let you know that Paul is trying to tell us that 
the church of Jesus Christ has to be built up. It is part of our role to construct the church, to help be the building up of the local church. And how many of you know that have been around for more than a couple days at any church, including this church, that it is our natural tendency to do demolition to the local church? Hello? Man, it got really quiet. You were with me, and then all of a sudden, a drop-off took place. It is, it is easy for us to do demo of the local church. It is easy for us to point out what's wrong and to tear down the local church. But it takes somebody with a high IQ and somebody that is paying attention to God's word that says, yes, I know the local church has problems. And the reason why I know the local church has problems is because I'm a part of the local church. But it takes somebody with wisdom and a high IQ and somebody that is moving in a spirit of love and patience and gentleness and humility and unity and everything that Paul lays out here to say, you know what? I believe in the church, as the creed says. I believe in the local church. There is a uh, a, a prevalent thing that is spread all across our country where there are many that say, listen, God and I are fine. I can walk with God and be just fine, but I don't need the local church. I don't need the, you know, to go to a local church. I don't need to be a part of a local church. And that leans towards what we have as Americans as we are very independent as a nation and as a people. We, we tend to isolate ourselves. Literally, I've, I've traveled the world. We are the best at isolation. We're better than any other country that I'm aware of at isolation. We do, we, we do isolation really well and really quickly where we wall off ourselves and we become independent. But I, I'm telling you, listen closely, I believe in the local church and I believe that we are called to be a part of the local church. Everybody just turn to your neighbor and say, you're a part of the church. And so what is, what is, what is the church actually? Some people through history and time have viewed the church as an institution or as an organization. Listen, the church is actually neither one of those things, okay? We do some legal things because the IRS asks us to and the, our government asks us to, but at the end of the day, the church is a family. And how many of you have good days with family? Raise your hands if you have good days. How many of you have ever had Bad days with family. How many of you have ever had, had a day where you didn't necessarily want to be a part of the family that you were in? How many of you have had days where you love the family that you were in? So that's the church. Welcome to the church. The, the, the local church is referred to in the Word of God over and over and over as a family. In fact, 1 Thessalonians, where Paul is writing to another group of, of, of people in a city called Thessalonica, he, asks, he says this, listen to the family words that are in this passage. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, family, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. And we urge you, let's say it together, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. And then he goes on and says, what's he say? Brothers and sisters. Pray for us. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the, the brothers and sisters. And so I'm just telling you just right off the, the get-go, this is not only a family, this is a family that you need. You need this family. You need the local church. 
And I don't care how much social media that you're on, you go, man, I'm, I'm connected to the world through my phone. And how many of you know that at the end of the day, that is about as fake and phony of a connection with somebody that you can have? Hello? So what, literally what you're saying, for the most part, 90% of the time, okay, is I'm connected to everybody's highlight reel. I'm connected to the pictures that, that I want everybody else to see that I put out there. I'm not connected to the hard days as much. I'm not connected to the real life situations. I'm, I'm not connected to the, Lord, the deep things that are happening in someone's life. And I'm telling you, listen to me. I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you to go on the journey of loving the local church as a family and to say, I refuse to isolate myself. I refuse to become an independent Christ follower who is not connected to the local church. Robert Putnam wrote a book called Bowling Alone. And in, in this book, he actually did a bunch of study. And every study that he did showed that People that disconnect themselves and that are independent and that are isolated, he found that there's two things that they struggle with. And this is kind of interesting. Road rage is one. And the other is that they actually live shorter lives. People that are, are less connected and don't have deep and meaningful, not just like, you know, acquaintance type of connections, deep and meaningful friends, deep and meaningful connections with people in their life. They have road rage issues and they live shorter. Here's what I'm trying to tell you today. Friends, if you want to have less road rage and you want to live longer, become a part of the local church. Welcome to the family. I want to let you know that the need for community is not a weakness. It is a strength. For you to say, I need you, and you need me, that is actually a strength that we have. It is not a strength to say, I got this, I'm on my own, I can handle life, I'm cool, I got this. It is a strength for us to say, I need you, and you need me. Because the church is not only a family, it is also the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23 lets us know that the church is the body of Christ. I have a friend named Jeannie Mayo, and she uh, like quoted the famous, she, she, her famous quote is, the church is Jesus with skin on. Do you realize that the closest that the unbelievers in your life, the closest that the people at your, that are at your job, the closest that your family members will ever be and see a representation of Christ in their life is you and me. Hello? It is the church. Now, again, I didn't mention this, but the church is not a building, okay? So we have, we just say really easily, it rolls off of our tongue. I'm waking up this morning, it's Sunday morning, and I'm going to what? Okay, and that statement is kind of true, but it's kind of not true. I think a, a better statement would be, I'm going to a building where all of us that are the church are coming together. Because we are the church. I am the church. You are the church. And the church is Jesus with skin on. Jesus is the hope of the world, and he's entrusted the church with a great message. And I, I was talking to Pastor Daniel this week, and basically we came to the conclusion, good or bad, 
great or ugly, hard or easy, we came to this conclusion. We are actually the ones that carry the message of hope to the rest of the world. The church is. And so we ask the question of this, if not you, then who? If not you and I, if not the church that is entrusted with the message of hope that we have for the rest of our world, who is it then? I believe in the church, the communion of the saints. What is the message that we are entrusted to carry with? Well, the final line in our creed highlights this message of hope. I believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the what? And the life everlasting. I believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Listen closely because I want to break down in the next five minutes what our message is. Our message is simple. It it is, first of all, there is forgiveness of sins. Shout it from the rooftops, my friends. You don't have to carry the weight and the baggage and all of the wrongdoings and everything that's happened from the time that you were a child to the time that you were in existence right now. You don't have to carry that weight. There is forgiveness of sins. Jesus died on the cross so he could carry the weight of the forgiveness of sins. This is our message, my friends. The message is you don't have to carry that weight around anymore. Jesus died so he could take that weight off of you and you could be free from your sin. I remember the day that I gave my life to Christ. I was 17 years old and I responded to a a call for people who wanted to know Jesus and, and I came forward and when I came forward, I remember saying, Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and I began to name them one by one and I'm telling you, it was a long list And I was naming those things. And I literally, the feeling that I always describe was, it was like I could feel a weight lifting off of me. As the longer that I stood there and I said, and forgive me of this and forgive me of that and and take this and take that. And I, Lord, I surrender this and I surrender that. Take this, Lord. Thank you for the cross that, that helped me forgive that and forgive that. I'm telling you, there was a weight that came off me. So what's our message? Our message is simple. You don't have to carry the weight of your sin anymore. There is a a person named Jesus who died for you, and you can be forgiven of your sin. That is, how many know that's good news? The church carries the message of hope, which is good news. Any Christian that you, you see talking with an unbeliever, and it feels like bad news, we're doing it wrong. Because it's good news. The resurrection of the body, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he was talking about the resurrection. He said, if Christ has not been raised, our faith is in vain. In other words, this this all means nothing. All of this stuff that we're doing, all this Bible and us having services and all this stuff that we're doing, if the resurrection didn't take place It's all for nothing. We're like the people that are on the Wizard of Oz, you know, where there's a guy behind the curtains, but he actually doesn't have the power that he claims to have. Listen, if the resurrection of the dead from Jesus raising up from the dead on the third day, if that didn't happen, this is all null and void. But I have good news for you today. It did happen. And 500 people 
after Jesus was raised from the dead, saw him physically. How many of you know one person might get it wrong? Two people might get it wrong. 25 people might get it wrong. But 500 people didn't get it wrong. Hello? Jesus rose from the dead. And that gives us incredible power and incredible victory in our life. That not only is there forgiveness of sins, but the resurrection of the body. Paul went on to say, if for this life only we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied above all people. In other words, if this didn't happen, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then you need, you need to have pity on us because we're moving forward when we shouldn't even be, be moving forward. So Jesus, because of Jesus, there's forgiveness of sins. We have the resurrection from the dead, and not only that, we have a life everlasting. Let me just summarize it with this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have what? Everlasting life. That means life in our, when we lose our mortal bodies and we go into our spiritual bodies, life after this life, life that will be much longer, in fact, eternal life, which just means it goes on and on and on and on and on. We have that life when we get to heaven, okay? That life that will last forever, that will be with Jesus, that will be in heaven. There will be no pain, no sickness, no sorrow, no suffering, none of that. We will have life everlasting, but we also have life life here on this planet. Jesus actually gives us a better life than we would have had without him. Why? Is it because everything is always great? Well, how many of you know that have served God for longer than a month? Life is not always fair, and it's not always good. Why is life better here on this planet? Life is better here on this planet because we have Jesus. So it's life everlasting. This is our message. This is our hope. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The church, okay, the messenger carries the message forward that says, I believe in the local church, the communion of the saints, and I'm going to be a part of constructing the local church. I'm going to be a part of building up the local church. I'm going to be a part of the solutions of the problems that the local church has. I'm not going to be a part of the demolition of the local church and the tearing down of the local church. There's a guy, as the band comes forward, named Matt Williams. Matt Williams, in 2008, September 20th, 2008, at, te- at a Texas Tech football game, and I'm sorry this isn't an LSU story, it just isn't, okay, but at a Texas Tech football game, he came out of the stands because they had a halftime thing where they called somebody out of the stands, and they actually had him kick a 30-yard field goal, and if he made this 30-yard field goal, he got like free rent for a couple months in this apartment complex, it's really nice apartment complex. Well, he came out of the stands. He had he had kicked the ball a few times when he was in high school on his high school football team. But the, how many know high school team, college team, much different, right? And he came out of the stands there, okay? And uh, he had shorts on. He had tennis shoes on. Got probably scared to death, trying to remember his form and how to kick the ball the right way to go through the, uh, the uprights, you know? And and he kicked the ball so well, it not only went through, but like they felt like he could, could have got another 10 or 15 yards out of that kick. 
and the head coach of the Texas Tech football team saw it happen. And he told one of the equipment guys, I want you to go get that guy. Well, the guy turned around. He was going back up to the stands. He was happy as a lark because he got a couple free months of rent, you know, in this apartment complex. But the equipment guy said, hey, coach wants to see you. So he went to see the head coach. And long story short, the head coach said, you're going to be on our football team and you're going to be one of our primary kickers from here on out. Well, five weeks later, he, is, he was ESPN's player, college player of the week. How many know this doesn't happen every day? And he's ESPN's college player of the week. He went on to be one of the greatest college football kickers in history. You say, well, what does that matter? What does that have to do with anything with this sermon? Because here's what I want to tell you. What I want to tell you is when it comes to the local church, and especially this local church, this is not a local church where you, we want you to sit in the stands very long. We want you to get on the field. And we want you to have a role on the field as quickly as possible to come out of the stands. And how many of you know it is so easy to critique the team that is on the field when you're sucking down popcorn and soda, you know, with, you know, with uh, not in shape is all I'll say. Not in shape, okay? And you're going, well, what they need to do and what they should have done and what's wrong. How many of you have ever sat next to that guy or that lady at the Saints game? And you're going, dude, <laughs> you weren't good enough to make the team. You need to be quiet and just cheer and just encourage. Here's what I'm here today to tell you. And here's, here's what I'm here today to ask you. What we're asking you and what we're asking our Algiers location is to do this. Go all in go all in and spread the news go all in and spread the news when it comes to the local church i think this should be on the screen here soon when it comes to the local church i'm asking you to go all in we have some incredible things that are about to happen as it comes to this fall we have some awesome things that are about to take place. I won't even get into it all. I don't even have time to get into what's about to take place as we go into two services in just a few weeks and our small groups start and, and, and we've got a new thing that we're doing on, with our teams and August the 4th, if you're a volunteer in any way, shape or form, you're not going to want to miss that meeting. We'll tell you more about what's going to happen this fall there, but we've got some amazing things taking place and here's what I'm asking everybody that considers Saints Community Church to be your, to this to be your home. Go all in. And as you go all in, spread the message. There is forgiveness of sins. Jesus really did raise from the dead. And we can have life everlasting. That's a message. That's not just for these walls. I mean, no, that's a message for our community. It's a message for our world. It's a message for our job. 